Hi, this is Saba Khan for Eye on the Triangle, and tonight I'm going to be doing a recap of the presidential inauguration, the Women's March, and the new decisions and memorandums that have been signed by President Trump in the first four days of his presidency. So, starting off, Trump gave a speech to a crowd that he believed to be 1.5 million people. However, considering the crowds Obama drew, which came up to be about 1.8 million, Trump definitely is overestimating the amount of people that are supporting him in this country. However, no official estimate has been released, but the photos both taken at peak hours kind of says it all. Now, in his speech, he spoke heavily on patriotism, how being American is what is connecting all of us. And it seemed like it was his goal to kind of connect us and unite us in this kind of last ditch effort after running a campaign on dividing people. He decided that maybe what makes us all connected as being American, but it kind of did the opposite. It felt more like forced patriotism. Another notable part of his speech is when he was saying that the power is now going to be shifting from D.C. to the people. And speaking of what the people wanted, a lot on the day of the inauguration, there were a lot of anti-Trump protests. In D.C. alone, 200 people were arrested for rioting. However, the next day was the Women's March. And the numbers were just unmatched. It was unbelievable. In Raleigh alone, there were 17,000 people. In D.C., there were 500,000 uh, people that showed up. In L.A., they expected 80,000, but an astounding 750,000 people showed up to march. It was a peaceful march against the new administration. And it was it was the purpose was to combat the clear anti-woman motives of Trump's of Trump's rule in his cabinet. And it was really an amazing demonstration to fight for women's rights. There were so many amazing uh, posters that I saw out in Raleigh in Moore Square. And to, just including some, uh, there was one I saw, a woman's places in the resistance. A woman, I saw another one where a woman wearing a hijab that's made of the American flag and it says, we the people. And then also women's rights are human rights. And then there were some men out there with their daughters saying that they're marching for them. And then also another notable one was keep your policies off my body. Successful. It was peaceful. It showed what a lot of people in this country are really interested in fighting for. However, the next couple of days, news broke about decisions being made by Trump and being signed off on. Day one, right after his speech, he directed government agencies to take action in withholding funding for the Affordable Care Act. The language in his order was really vague, so it had just allowed agencies to delay or waive provisions, which will in effect dismantle the law before Congress can even approve it. Now, going on to day two of his decisions, he signed off on the advancing construction of the Keystone Pipeline and Dakota Access Pipeline which he actually has a conflict of interest in because he is a stockholder for the company that is building the Dakota Access. Now, just an update on what that is. The DAPL Dakota Access Pipeline is a pipeline that runs under the Missouri River, which is a threat to the water source of the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. It's something that's going to fuel climate change and cause damage to the surrounding environment. And a lot of protests were held. Thousands of peaceful protesters came out. Native Americans, veterans, environmental activists came out to protect the water and the rights of the Native Americans that are being affected by this. Now, it became such a huge event that the UN even denounced the inhumane treatment of the natives and the and the water protectors that were being attacked by the police with attack dogs, sonic cannons, rubber bullets, and pepper spray. It was about two days ago that he put out this order that indigenous leaders and activists have already come out and are already mobilizing. While I'm recording this, it's live right now that people are out in D.C. and New York demonstrating against these new orders to advance this construction. 
Along with that, in the past couple of days, he's put out a global gag rule on foreign organizations that receive funding from the U.S. government. They cannot use that funding for abortion services. On top of that, he's added a freezing of federal government hiring to reduce spending. But he's reassuring that that's not going to make an impact on military spending, public safety and public health jobs. It will just decrease the size of the federal workforce as a whole. The last thing that came out is the ban that he has put on EPA, USDA, and Health and Human Service officials from talking to the media. He has put a complete media blackout on those three departments. Now, this whole election is history in the making. So this recap has just been of the first week of Trump's presidency. This has been Sabah Khan for Eye on the Triangle. Raleigh, North Carolina. The Women's March in Raleigh this past Saturday drew over 17,000 supporters who came to protest a variety of issues, including women's reproductive rights, racial tensions, education, and LGBT rights. The march was conducted in solidarity with the official Women's March in Washington, D.C. Although Raleigh isn't a metropolitan hub like D.C., the crowd surpassed the estimated attendance of 5,000 people. The march was sparked in light of President Trump's inauguration the day before and the charged political and social climate from the election. I attended the march on Saturday as both a journalist and a protester. I wanted to find out why other people were marching and what social issues Raleigh citizens are currently fighting. While attending a protest like the Women's March, you technically don't even have to talk to a single person to find out why they are there. The march boasted a plethora of signs, including a few that I saw that read, Love not hate makes America great. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. A Martin Luther King Jr. quote, Repeal HB2 and the incredibly popular Women's Rights Are Human Rights. In addition to looking at signs, I also talked to some of the marchers. As I was walking around Fayetteville Street searching for people to interview, I spotted an intriguing group of older ladies who I later found out were the Raging Grannies. If you've never heard of these awesome women, I'd suggest you Google them ASAP. The Raging Grannies are a nonviolent activism group that protests social and environmental issues, so it's not surprising that they were marching. Jamie McDonald. Jamie McDonald. Support, the show support for what's going on in the world. Bad stuff. Hi, I'm Linda Warren. I'm a raging granny. I'm here to support the women across this country and to support all those who cannot stand up and have a voice for themselves. I'm Kathy Buck, and I, I did what, <laughs> what Linda said, and I'm here as a third-generation women's rights person. My great-grandmother marched in Seneca Falls. Hi, I'm Jan Herman. I'm a raging granny from Durham, North Carolina. And I'm here on behalf of all the women of the world who are standing up for our rights. We hold up half the sky. I'm Libby Johnson, another raging granny. And I'm going to just quote some of our song power here. Um, we are power. We're here to make a stir. Don't mess around with women's rights. We can roar as well as purr. We're standing up for women all over the world because we represent 
women, not just. We are global. We think that way and we act that way. So we're glad to be here in support of all women. And also, women's rights are human rights as well. Health care, voter, immigration, all of our brothers and sisters. Hi, I'm Jade Dell, and I'm here, part of the Raging Grannies, and I want to make sure that our country is open and inclusive to everyone, immigrants, people of color, students, um, dis disabled people, everybody, and I'm here to stand for that today. One thing about the march that really impressed me was the diversity of all the people protesting, as well as the issues they were marching for. There were people of all different backgrounds, people of different races, religions, genders, ages, and abilities. In my opinion, the marchers were very courteous. They weren't trying to start a riot, just let their beliefs be heard. I'm Henry Moorfeld, I'm a high school student. Uh, I'm here just to, you know, stand up. I mean, we got a pretty nasty person in office, I guess. Like, can I say that? Yeah, I think I can say that. Um, <laughs> I think we can all, we can all agree on that. Um, and just to show my support, you know? I mean, that's the, that's the least I can do. I'm Nick Moorfeld, I'm also a high school student, and I'm here because I'm a bad hombre raised by a nasty woman. I'm Mia, and I'm here because I care about my future and I want women's rights. Um, I'm Isabel Simmons, and I'm here today because I'm scared about the presidency, and I feel like this is a good way to show that and show Donald Trump that we will be watching everything he does. One of my fellow WKNC journalists, Annalise Thorne, attended the official march in Washington. Like me, she wanted to find out why people were marching on Saturday. Hi, my name is Jennifer Marsh. Reese Conley Marsh. Scott Mucklow. Why do you march today? I march for everyone. Oh, are you kidding? I'm marching because I believe in women's rights. I'm also marching because I believe in women's rights. Right. What goals do you have today? I want everyone to see that you can't just say, I want America to be this way. We're, an, we're a nation of citizens. Every voice counts. I just want to make a difference and do my part. I also want to do my part. Can you please state your name? Uh, my name is Lucy Jacoby. Why are you here marching? Um, I'm here marching because I think it's really important to um, demonstrate how dissatisfied we are with the Trump presidency. What goals do you have? Um, just to show solidarity and maybe be with my mom, who's also here. As many of you have probably heard, the D.C. March also had quite a few celebrity attendees, including Madonna, Mandy Moore, and James Franco. Annalise was able to get an opinion from actress and young feminist icon Zendaya Coleman, who was attending the march. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm good. Uh, I'm just, you know, it's early. <laughs> it's an early day. And what's your name? I'm Zendaya. And what are you doing here today? Today I'm here to march at the Women's March. I'm very excited. I've been waiting for a while and trying to tell as many people as I can. And I'm here with my mom, so I'm excited. Do you have any big goals? Well, I think uh, the goal together and today is, is to be together, work together, and come together as one and really create some unity between ourselves and I think um, get our message across, get our points across, say what we need to say in a peaceful, loving way, you know, because that's what, I mean, everybody who's out here has, really has feelings and has a heart and I feel like 
it has has a part or a message that, that hasn't been heard, you know, or has been ignored or has been um, stepped on. And I think that it's important that we come together because one voice, you know, can be loud, but I mean, all of us together, it's like, you know, you, you can't ignore it. I want this piece to end on a good note. I did not attend the march to bash a political party or a group of people. I marched for what I believe is right, and that is equality and justice for all citizens of the United States. So I'm going to conclude with a story. When the march crossed Target Street, I spotted a man wearing all Make America Great Again merchandise and holding a Trump and Pence sign. I feared for the worst as the crowd passed him. However, they pleasantly surprised me. Instead of confronting the man, the crowd chanted, love Trump's hate, and marched on. I'm going to take this as a good omen for the next four years. This has been Marissa Jordan for Eye on the Triangle. Well, Trump certainly wasted no time in trying to strip away basic women's rights, like the right to be in control of our bodies. He began on Monday by signing an executive order that places a gag rule on organizations that provide abortion counseling. I just don't understand what's so complicated about letting women decide what to do with their own bodies. Just because a vegetarian or a vegan doesn't believe in the harm of animals, does it make it okay for them to dictate what you eat? No. So why do you think it's okay to tell women what to do with their bodies just because you don't agree with it? You don't want anyone telling you what to do with your money. You don't want anyone telling you what to worship. You don't want anyone telling you what to do with your guns. Yet, you feel it's okay to tell someone what they can and can't do with their actual physical body. Does that make any sense to you? Let me explain this in logic everyone seems to understand. Let's say the government decides to do away with guns. The second they do, the immediate argument will be that people will always find a way to get guns anyway. So, with that being said, you could outlaw abortions. Let's just pretend for now that Roe versus Wade doesn't even exist. Why not? Trump sure is. But if you outlawed abortions, women will still find a way to get them. So wouldn't you rather these women find a way to legally and safely get such a procedure done instead of going through all sorts of underground methods that could be dangerous to both the mother and the fetus? I'm not arguing just for my sake. Despite the odds stacked against me as an African-American woman, I consider myself quite privileged. I'm insured through my parents' insurance, I have my own job, and I've got a great number of scholarships that help me pay for the things I need. And personally, I'm against abortions. Unless I see no other way around, odds are I'm never going to need one in my entire life. I just don't think it's my business or anyone else's, much less the business of a bunch of men, what any woman is allowed to do with her body. Planned Parenthood is an amazing resource for women who feel like they have nowhere else to go. If Planned Parenthood isn't allowed to do their jobs and properly inform women of all their options, I shudder to think of the measures desperate women would take. I'm not so privileged to think that just because Trump does something that won't affect me, that I shouldn't be concerned about how it will harm someone else. I realize that not everyone is as lucky as I am, and that not every woman can afford proper health care. I worry that the Trump administration will forego empathy for self-interest. I'm worried that in only looking out for ourselves, we'll forget what it's like to actually feel for our fellow mankind. But hey, that's just what I say. Until next time, this has been Ricky Dows of Eye on the Triangle.
Good afternoon, 88.1 WKNC. You are tuned into Taste of the Triangle, your source for culinary insight and food culture in Raleigh and the surrounding area. This is the first episode of 2017, and I'd like to kick this year off with a bit of a change of pace. Historically, I have conducted interviews and written reviews regarding restaurants in the local scene, and I would like to expand this format to include events that you foodies can drag your friends to in hopes that they will join the dark side. The first event of the year is actually ongoing. Triangle Restaurant Week began this Monday, January 23rd, and will extend until Sunday, January 29th. Restaurant Week occurs annually in the Triangle, but for those of you that live close to downtown Raleigh, you are lucky enough to enjoy Restaurant Week three times a year. I'll be sure to give you a heads up when the next Restaurant Week is close at hand, but let us return to the present. There are 100 restaurants participating in Triangle Restaurant Week, with locations to include Raleigh, Durham, Cary, Chapel Hill, Apex, Morrisville, and Pittsburgh. Most of these locations have created a multi-course prefix dinner in the $20 to $35 range, often offering a beverage pairing to one or more of the courses. Some locations also offer a $15 lunch during restaurant week, though this is not a guarantee. As much as it pains me to admit, I haven't the time to cover all 100 restaurants that are featured this week. Instead, I will cover one to give you an idea of the options that are available to you. Located in the heart of downtown Raleigh is City Authentic Lebanese Cuisine. I have enjoyed dinner at City in the past, and while the food is quite tasty, the atmosphere is superb. I highly recommend dining in the courtyard where you can enjoy fresh air, ambient lighting, and the sound of downtown. For Restaurant Week, City is offering a $30 three-course meal with many options for each course. For starters, you have a choice of house-made beet hummus, sumac vinaigrette tossed kale salad, muamara, which is a roasted red pepper and walnut puree mixed with spices and pomegranate molasses, fried cauliflower served with a spicy blood orange tahini sauce, and pan-seared Brussels sprouts served with a medjool date puree. Aside from the Brussels sprouts, each of these starter options is a vegan dish. Your entree options include a beef or shrimp kebab served with rice, vegetables, and a garlic whip, a vegan samkahara, which is marinated tofu, served with rice, lentils, sautéed kale, and topped with vegetables and a spicy tahini sauce, or a zatar-crusted duck breast, which is pan-seared and served with stone-ground polenta, green beans, and finished with a pomegranate gastrique and shiitake mushrooms. Your dessert options include a fried banana with mixed berry sorbet, pistachio cream sauce, and a black cherry in syrup, a pistachio cake layered with ashta cream and pistachio butter topped with crispy phyllo, pistachios, and a honey drizzle. A larger portion of mixed berry sorbet served with pistachios and fresh berries. Or baklava. Both the fried banana and mixed berry sorbet are vegan options. Located at 137 South Wilmington Street, City Lebanese Cuisine is open Monday through Thursday from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m., Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Sunday from 12 p.m. to 10 p.m. I would like to emphasize that City is not the only restaurant that you can visit this week. 
There are 99 other restaurants featured in Triangle Restaurant Week, each with an equally enticing and delicious menu. Whether you're in the mood for Lebanese food as offered by City in downtown Raleigh, or tapas as offered by Mateo in Durham, or even American cuisine as offered by City Kitchen in Chapel Hill, Triangle Restaurant Week is an excellent way to get to know the food scene in your area. If dinner this weekend is something that piques your interest, I would highly recommend calling the restaurant of your choice as soon as possible. Triangle Restaurant Week is a very busy time for the restaurants in the area, and the sooner you call, the better. If you would like to share information about your Triangle Restaurant Week experience, or you have any feedback about the taste of the Triangle Show, please feel free to email publicaffairs at wknc.org with the subject line, Taste of the Triangle. That's all I have for this week. This has been Will Mayo, and thanks for tuning in to 88.1 WKNC. Hello, this is Jake Winters for Eye on the Triangle. This is Snowverated, and this week I will be taking a look at the film The Nice Guys. The Nice Guys was released last year, and while it had Ryan Gosling and Mr. Gladiator himself, Russell Crowe, in the movie, it had a somewhat low-key release. The movie was delayed once by the release of another movie. This says as much about what the company releasing the film thinks of the film they released instead as the film that was delayed. They thought it didn't have as high of a potential as the other. I, on the other hand, disagree. I think The Nice Guys was one of the funniest crime movies that has been released in years. It comes off almost as though it were really a strictly serious crime film, but throws in some great slapstick humor and comes off in the end as a hilarious story of one fool and one detective solving another case in a series of events that brings them together. The movie was set in the late 70s and follows two detectives that don't necessarily work together as they solve a case about the abuse of young women. It never stays lighthearted for long and explores some dark and stark violence. A lot of comedies will have extremely upfront violence, such as The Hateful Eight, if you could call that a comedy. I thought the movie was pretty hilarious though, but maybe I just have a sick sense of humor. Anyway, their use of violence had a sense of slapstickiness to it that is stuck around for some time in comedy. It is the same type of humor used in excess by the Three Stooges. Except in the Three Stooges, nobody is hurt for long. This is where the film bends expectations by making people come to actual harm. For the most part, in comical situations, we don't expect to see horrible violence, or at least we didn't used to. I think that now comedy is almost expected to have this sort of violence. Well, of course, not all comedy. One thing I should mention is that this isn't really a new style of comedy either. Movies like Army of Darkness made use of it as well. A lot of films in the genre of horror do, because it's easy to get away with a zombie being killed and it still being funny. It's a little more difficult with real people, for obvious reasons. A great thing about this movie was its willingness to stray away from convention. It may be a bit of a stretch to say there were no archetypes in the movie, because there definitely were, but they didn't overuse them. They gave you the characters you expected and then played with you based on your assumptions. This is a technique I really love seeing in film. It has a deep understanding of how movies and stories in general are written, and it isn't apologetic for the fact that it abuses this knowledge. The style of comedy is different from that of Will Ferrell's or Seth Rogen's that just plays on absurdity or general goofiness. This movie plays on your assumptions about the characters themselves for the whole time. Sometimes the movie even does this without the intention of getting a laugh out of the audience. The moment I am specifically talking about is when the foolish character played by Ryan Gosling makes a discovery during an investigation that leads to a move forward in said investigation. It's not just any trivial discovery either, as it took some amount of detective skill. 
Characters that are portrayed in films as fools often might stumble across a discovery like this so that they remain relevant to the story. But instead of just stumbling across it, it was an intentional discovery. This came closer to the end of the movie and to me was a direct nod to the fact that they were using this archetype bending style. It made it apparent it was intentional. One thing about Ryan Gosling in particular I'd like to mention is his choice of roles. They are always in rather unknown films somehow, and he manages to portray a wide variety of characters while still having his own unique style of acting. Maybe it's just his reuse of facial expressions that brings me to this conclusion, and if so, I'm not sure it's completely a good thing, but nevertheless, I enjoy his particular style of acting. If you want some movies of his to compare this one to, look at Only God Forgives or Drive, both directed by Nicholas Winding Refn. Another great movie of his was the recent La La Land, which got a pretty significant amount of Oscar nominations. All of those are pretty distinctly different films, and it's worth mentioning how well Ryan Gosling plays all the different kinds of roles. The movie as a whole was just generally hilarious and exciting. It's hard to see what's coming in the film, even if it gives you hints and it stays fresh till the credits roll at the end. They combined a lot of unique aspects in film and managed to stay within some pretty traditional borders of storytelling. If you want to watch this movie, there are a multitude of ways to watch it online, and I hope a lot of you end up checking it out. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Iron the Triangle and Snowverated. I'm Jake Winters, and I hope you have a fantastic evening.